Galatians chapter 6, and we'll read the first 10 verses. So 1172, Galatians chapter 6, from verse 1, this is God's Word. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions, then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else, for each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the Word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Amen. We trust that God will blessed to us His Word, John. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, please do open it with me to Galatians chapter 6 this morning. And as Nigel said, we're going to focus really in in verse 7 and through to the end, 7 through to 10. So, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 through to 10, and we're really looking at this principle, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. So, actions have consequences. Actions have consequences. Just ask a man who's forgotten his wife's birthday or the wedding anniversary, and apparently I'm told you only do that once. Actions have consequences. I don't know what the consequences are on that occasion, but apparently they're severe. (laughs) And if we drive erratically, if we drive like a madman or a mad woman, our miles per gallon significantly drop. Actions have consequences. Or if we decide to eat a packet of Jaffa cakes every night between now and Christmas, Well, it would be no surprise if our jeans didn't fit us come Christmas morning. Or if we hit the snooze button on the alarm, we know what the consequence is going to be. We're going to rush and panic around the house. There's little videos of uh, of, uh, animals scooting about the place as if you're trying to find your keys and all the little bits and pieces that you're trying to find. If you hit the snooze button, there are going to be consequences. Or if you're a younger person and you're still studying, if you decide not to revise for an exam, well, it'll hardly be a surprise whenever you get bad results. Actions have consequences. And whenever it comes to the harvest, in agricultural terms, farmers know only too well that their actions have consequences. And so, for people where I live around my area with all the orchards, if the farmer decides not to spray the apple trees and he decides to watch Netflix instead, well, if he doesn't prune them, he'll not have a good harvest. No spray, no pruning, it'll be no surprise for him whenever he doesn't have a good harvest. Or if the farmer decides, do you know what, I'll I'll go out and I'll plow my fields this year, so he plows his fields, and then he just leaves them. And he expects to have a, a field of lush grass come the summer. Well, people would say he's lost his mind. 
what's he doing? You've turned over the ground, and you've decided to just leave it. What are you doing? Actions have consequences. The farmer understands the science, and far more they understand the principle of what you sow, you reap. So, a farmer in Logall, if he plants a pear tree, will not expect to have apples coming off that pear tree. Or if you're in Cumber and you plant beetroot, you would not expect to have potatoes. It's a universal rule. You sow and you reap. You reap what you sow. It's an agricultural principle that God has stitched into the very fabric of our universe, and it's referred to several times throughout Scripture. It's referred to in Job 4 and 8. It's referred to in Hosea 8 and 7. You sow, and then you will reap what you sow. And so, we wouldn't deceive ourselves in the physical world, sure we wouldn't. We wouldn't sow carrots and expect leeks. That would be mad, right? It would be ludicrous for us to do that. We just wouldn't do it. And yet, whenever it comes to the spiritual world, why do we deceive ourselves whenever it comes to sowing and reaping? And it's this principle that I want to take this morning in regards to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and as it were, burrow into it this morning. Because that's what Paul lifts here at the end of Galatians. Look at verse 7. He takes an everyday illustration of reaping and sowing. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so Paul takes this everyday illustration, a, a, a common sense science illustration to make a deep theological point. And so, as we unfold this today, we want to see three things. And the first is this. The first is the warning. Look at the warning in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. So, imagine this. Imagine one of the local farmers uh, beside me at home, one of the local farmers in Logall decides, look, there's been a tree and it's blown over in a storm, so I'll go to the, the local farm shop and I'll buy a new apple tree. So he goes and he buys this new apple tree, and it's, it's a small little apple tree. It comes in its little pot, and he takes it home and he, he sets it beside all the other apple trees. And then he decides that he'll take it for a walk around the orchard to show him all his friends, as it were. Right? And he takes it on the lap of the orchard and shows, shows him all the other apple trees. And then he decides that what he'll do is he'll actually he'll take it for a walk every week on a Sunday around all of his apple trees. And if he's feeling really good, he'll take him on a walk twice on a Sunday, morning and evening, around all of the apple trees. But he'll leave him in its little pot. And then one of his neighbors comes along, and his neighbor says to him, what are you doing with that apple tree? thought you were going to plant that apple tree. Why haven't you? And the farmer, imagine the farmer replied, I don't need to. It'll be all right. It'll grow up to be like all the others. It just needs to see them. It just needs to be around them. Well, we would say, you clearly don't know anything about farming. You're a madman. You're a fool. And yet something very, very similar to that happens when it comes to following Jesus. And this warning, we want to apply it in two ways. And the first way is this. Some people think that all that they need to do is to be good enough and to stand beside Christians, just like that little apple tree sat beside Christians. Or that all that they need to do is to blend in with all the other Christians. And this is what happens sometimes in churches. 
That week after week, as it were, you come and, and you walk around the orchard, you come and you walk around the Christians, and then sometimes you come back if you're feeling really good in the evening, and you do the whole process all over again. And yet you have never been planted into the gospel soil. You've never repented over your sin. You have not claimed Jesus as your Savior. There's no recognition of needing Jesus and living for Jesus. Listen to these words today. If that is you, listen to these words. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. You see, there, there are those who think that, that Christianity, that this life, it's all just a bit of a game, that you can live and do whatever you want, that your actions will not have consequences. But this is an appeal directly from the Apostle Paul and through his words, uh, through the, the very words then of Jesus. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. How you live on earth now, what you sow on earth now, will have consequences one day when you reap it. And you can start to see these consequences already. As it were, the, the first fruits of the harvest is, are on display in your life. You can start to see the consequences of what you're sowing. But do not be deceived. You see, that Satan, he, he's the father of lies. Verse 7, do not be deceived. Satan's the father of lies. And what does he want? Well, he wants us all to be damned with him this morning. He wants us all to fall under his judgment as well. And so he lies. And what lies does he tell us? Well, he lies to us and he says, it'll all be okay. God won't punish you. He's, he's really a big softy at heart. Whenever we pass from this scene of time, you'll stand before him and he won't really be that strict. He's maybe, he's starting to dote a little bit. He's like your granddad. He's, he's starting to lose his memory. And all of those bad things that you've done, he'll not, he'll not remember them. He'll give you a Willer's original suite, and he'll say, come on ahead in. Do not be deceived. Or Satan will come to others, and he'll say, God, God doesn't even exist. Don't waste your time with him. Don't waste your time following him. Or he'll say, God, God's no fun. You can't be satisfied if you follow God. Don't listen to this book, the Bible. It's out of date. It's out of touch. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And this carries a huge weight if you're an unbeliever here today, but also to the Christian. You see, the second way to apply this, Paul writes this to the church, doesn't he? He writes this letter to the church, and he sent all in the church, as it were, you can't do the spiritual double. Now, I'm hoping everybody knows what I mean whenever I say that. You can't do the double. If you're younger, it means something else in our world. You're claiming benefits on, you're working, right? And you're, you're doing the double. You're not meant to be doing that. Don't do the spiritual double. In other words, you may be able to fool people around you. You may be, may be able to fool people in this church. You may be able to fool friends about the, what sort of, about the sort of person that you are. But one day, one day the harvest will show you for who you are. What you sow, you reap. What you put into life, into the ground as it were, will come out. And everyone will see it. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. You cannot play fast and loose with Him. You cannot disguise yourself before Him. This verse is a heavy verse. It's a stark verse. It's a warning verse for us all. 
Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. And we know how that plays out. He's the king. And one day he will have the final say. The, the, the wheat and the tares will be separated. And so this first way is heavy. Let's go on in, then to verse 8, and this is our second point. As we think about how do we live, if we were to just stop there this morning, we're stopping in a bad place, but let's, let's try and apply it further. Let's go into our living. Look at verse 8. The one, who, <clears throat> the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So I want us all to imagine this today. I want us to imagine that there are two fields, and there are only two fields. And into these two fields, you can decide where you will sow. And the seed, what is the seed that we have in our hands today? Well, the seed is our life. Our seed is our thoughts and our actions. The seed that we have is our time and our money. It's our gifting. It's our enthusiasm. It's, it's you. It's everything about you. You are your own seed, right? And so you can sow your life into the field of the flesh, as the ESV describes it, or you can sow your life into the field of the Spirit. And what will the harvest be from both fields? Let's not be deceived. What will the harvest be? Well, verse 8, if you sow in the field of the flesh, you will reap corruption, or destruction as the NIV translates it. And then in the field of the Spirit, what will you reap? You will reap eternal life. It couldn't be more simple. The one who sows to the flesh reaps from the flesh. The one who sows to the Spirit reaps from the Spirit. So where we sow determines what we will reap. And the simple question then is, what field do we find ourselves in this morning? What field do we stand in and sow in this morning? Where are we, as it were, taking a handful of seed of our life, and where are we scattering it? Into what field are we throwing our seed? Do we stand in the field of the flesh, or do we stand in the field of the Spirit? And that, in, a, in one sense, in a broad sense, that oversimplifies it a little bit, doesn't it? Because if you're a Christian here today, we kind of walk through both fields regularly, don't we? We maybe come here, and it's all okay for, for the moment while we're here at church. We're sowing in the, in the good field, in this field of the Spirit. But very soon, we'll find ourselves jumping over the wall, as it were, into the other field and th throwing our seed and scattering our seed in the field of the flesh. You see, both fields cry out to us, sow your seed here. Both fields cry out and tell us that we will have a, a satisfying harvest if we sow in them. So we need to take a closer look. Let's get into the soil of the field of the flesh. So we get into this, this, this worldly field. And as we pu pull up a handful of soil, as we pick up a handful of soil, what do we see about it? Well, the soil in the field of the flesh is diseased. It looks good from the outside. The enemy has, around the walls of this field, put up lovely posters of what the field will look like. And yet we get into the soil and we see it's festering, it stinks, it's polluted. The soil will only bring death. Whatever seed we sow in it will die. But the field of the Spirit, what do we see in it? Well, it's good soil. 
soil that brings life. So look at chapter 5, verse 22. What, what, are the, what are the fruit? What can we expect if we sow into this field of the Spirit? These two fields. What can we expect from the, the, the soil of the, the Spirit field? Well, look at verse 22 of chapter 5. The fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I wonder if you ever noticed the link between chapter 5, 22, and the fruit of the Spirit, and then into chapter 6, what a man reaps he will sow, or what he sows he will reap. And the question for us, brothers and sisters, is how are we living our lives? How are we sowing our seed? How much of the seed is being sown for the things of Jesus? And this this morning isn't to bring shame on us. I'm not saying these things to, to weigh heavy upon us in, a, in an unfair way, but I want us to hear the warning of this so that we can make the best use of our time, the best use of our very lives, of all the resources that we have, so that we don't waste a moment more of our lives. So as we sow, let's think about this. How do we conduct ourselves in our workplaces? The application's really simple. Whenever we're in work, which field do we stand in? Which field do we sow in? When we arrive home late on a Wednesday evening, and we're trying to say at church that Wednesday evening is a, is a church evening, and we arrive home late, what are we going to do? We're, we're tired. Are we going to sow to the flesh again, or are we going to sow to the Spirit? When we look at our bank accounts and we think to ourselves, a tenth, a tenth's a lot of money to be given to Jesus. What are we going to do in that moment? Are we going to sow to the flesh or are we going to sow to the Spirit? Because look at what the end is. The end is really simple. Verse 8, everything of the world will end in destruction, but the things of the Spirit will end with eternal life. And when we think about our time and our dreams, do we scatter valuable seed in the field of the Spirit, or do we scatter seed into the soil of death? So if you're a parent here today, what field do you point to your children as being beautiful? Do you, do you point to the field that has this hoarding around it, as it were, that the world pins up as looking as beautiful? Or do you take your children and do you show them the, 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 the field full of the fruit of the Spirit? Older people in this room, what field are you encouraging the younger members of this church family to sow in? Have you taken time to show some of the young people the good field? Whenever I was younger, my granddad used to take me on his knee, and he used to let me pretend that I was steering the tractor. And he would take me around the orchards. I wasn't doing anything. I was about five years of age. Of course, I wasn't in control of this tractor. But you know what he was doing? He was, he was showing me the, the orchard. Showing me the beauty of the trees. Taking me to the back hedge of one of the other fields and saying, these are damsons. I had no clue what a damson was, right? Look at this. Look at this beautiful fruit. And younger people, have you ever considered what you're doing with your life? 
Have you asked an older, godly person in this church how you should spend your time, how you should sow your seed? Have you asked them into what things should you invest your life? Husbands, what field are you calling to your wife to come and to sow in with you? Wives, what field does your husband find you in on a regular basis? Do we see how this applies, how it unfolds? And there's fruit now. You'll start to see it. If you're in the, the field of the flesh, what will you see? You'll see thorns and thistles in your life, won't you? You'll see the hardness of that ground. And in the field of the Spirit, you'll start to see beautiful things. You'll, you'll see people being converted and the wonder of that. You'll, you'll hear about one or two people growing in their faith, and you'll, you'll, you'll be delighted about that. You'll come along to church every Sunday, and this place will be a haven for you, and you'll love to be here in this place with your church family. Because verse 8, what is it all really about? It's really about holiness. So John Stott says this, <clears throat> he says, to sow to one's flesh, to sow in the field of the flesh is to pander to it, to pander to your sin, to give in to it, to cuddle it instead of crucifying it. And he says this, every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge or to nurse a grievance or to entertain an impure fantasy, Every time we wallow in self-pity, we linger in a world that hates Christ, and we are sowing to the flesh. Holiness is a harvest, isn't it? Holiness is a harvest that we get to reap. If we sow, if we sow into the seed of the Spirit, through the hard times and the good times, it's, it's Christian character, isn't it? Our character is the outflowing of what we sow. It's the hard work, like the farmer, winter, spring, summer, and autumn. It's studying the Bible alone and with others. And these aren't profound applications, sure they're not. It's learning the Bible. It's being in the place of prayer quietly by yourself and with others. That's sowing to the Spirit. Setting our minds that are on the things above. It's the little, little pinch moments that we have a decision to make. Are we going to live for Jesus or are we going to live for ourselves? And the beautiful thing is that we don't get to do this alone. Look at us here this morning. We're sowing together. So that's how we live. And then with this, we're done. And it's a short, very short point. Look at verse 9. The application flows. What you, what you reap, you, or what you sow, you will reap. And look then into verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Christian, this morning, this is, this is hard work. Paul recognizes that it's hard work. Paul recognizes that we're in a battle <clears throat> between light and darkness. He realizes that it's difficult. But Christian brother and sister, the encouragement this morning is, don't give up. Don't give up whenever others are mocking you. Don't give up whenever others are trying to deceive you. Keep sowing in the field of the Spirit. And soon we will reap. Soon we will reap if we do not give up. What will we reap? Well, we'll reap eternal life, verse 8, and then we'll reap this good harvest if we do not give up. 
So keep going. We don't plant seed uh, in the countryside. We don't plant seed one day and expect to harvest the next. It takes time and work and effort and diligence and care. So keep going. Keep going. Don't grow weary in doing good. We will reap soon, says the ESV, translates it as, if we do not give up. Keep praying. Keep following Jesus. Keep being faithful in the small. Keep living to an audience of one because the harvest, well, you're going to enjoy it soon. And the harvest, what will the harvest be like? This harvest, what will it be like? It will be the greatest feast that we have ever known where Jesus will prepare a table for us where he will prepare a table, and what will he do? He will come, Luke says, and he will come and serve us at that table. That will be our reward as we enjoy along with all the saints from every corner of this globe, gathered together, and Jesus will collect the harvest. He'll collect all of his people, and he will separate the wheat from the tares, and then we will gather in, and we will feed at this table forevermore. We will be satisfied, and we will lack no good thing for there we will be with our Savior for all eternity. And so we reap what we sow. Life is not a game. Our actions have eternal consequences. And as I looked at this this week, it was a heavy passage, isn't it? It's, it's hard in many ways for us, but yet it's also full of grace. Why is it full of grace? How is it full of grace? Well, Jesus calls this and he says, don't grow weary, Christian. Keep doing good. Keep sowing in the, seed, in the field of the Spirit. And for all the rest of us today, perhaps those who haven't followed Jesus, it's not too late. It's not too late. If we've been standing in the field of the flesh, sowing there, if we've been standing mocking those who sow in the field of the Spirit, if we have been deceived till date, Jesus stands and He calls to you. It's not too late. You can reap a different harvest. You can come and you can sow in my field. His field is beautiful today. You've got to see it for what it is. It is a beautiful field. And you've not been there before. And you look at this field and you think, oh, I'd love to get there. You look at your own field that you're standing in and you think, everything in this field is dying. Everything in this field is broken. Everything in this field is festering. But you look over to Christ's field, as it were, and what do you see between your field and his field? You see this huge ditch. You'd never be able to cross it. And you look at your clothes and your clothes are, are disgusting. And you look at the people in Christ's field, and they, they seem to be beautifully dressed. And the people in Christ's field seem to move about with ease, but you, you have a burden on your back, this, this heavy load, it's called sin. And you think, I'm never going to be able to do this. I'll never be able to get to Jesus' field. Well, what does Jesus say to us? He says, I've constructed a bridge between your field and mine. A bridge that I've, I've constructed with my own life by laying down my life for you my own body for you. And Jesus says, come. And he says, let me take this heavy load off your back, this load of sin. 
and let me take it. I'll put it on my back. I'll pay for it at the cross. And your clothes? Well, let me give you my clothes, clean clothes, so that you can come and that you can work and that you can sow and see beautiful things grow, fruit that will last for all eternity. You can come. You can be in this field. Maybe you're here today and you've made the journey the other way. You once stood in Christ's field and now, now you stand in this other field and you've jumped over the wall. Christ says, come back. Come back to my field. Brothers and sisters, come back. With this we end, verse 7. This is serious for us. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. I trust for all of us that one day we will all gather together in the great harvest of the Lord Jesus Christ and share in his feast forever. Let me pray.